Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, I'm so glad that you guys are here, especially if you are a a guest here. I want to say welcome. If I haven't met you, my name is Colby. Uh, And I know how intimidating it can be to walk into a room, perhaps that you don't know anyone. And and so you're not only welcome here, we really want you to feel like you are wanted here. And so we'd love to to connect with you at some point. Um, But let me ask you guys this before we dive in. How many of you know that we will go to great lengths for certain things or people in our life? You know that, right? Like, like we'll go to great lengths for certain things. Like maybe when you were dating, you remember you went to great lengths, you know, for that person that you were dating, maybe even spent a lot of money. Uh, you, you might even wish you had that money back at this point in your life. I don't know. But you went to great lengths for that person. Maybe we should start like a, uh, like a refund policy, you know, like, hey, if this doesn't go anywhere, I'm keeping this receipt, just so you know. But we will go to great lengths for some certain things. Will we not? We'll go to great lengths for hobbies. Uh, some of you will uh, get up at 3 a.m. and go sit in a deer stand in the freezing cold with animal urine all over your body, right? <laughs> for your hobby, because you'll go to great lengths for certain things. We'll go to great lengths for sports teams. Some of you guys will paint your faces or paint your chest, you know, and run around, you know, in the cold because, because you'll go to great lengths for that. Or you'll go to great, how many foodies we got? Any foodies in the house? Like you'll go to great lengths for some good food. Like I know some people who will plan vacation around where they're going to eat. Maybe that's you. I know some people who will, who will know where they're going to eat on vacation before they know where they're going to stay on vacation. They're like I don't care where I'm sleeping, I'm eating right here. That's what I'm going to do. Like we will plan, we will, we will go to great lengths for some things. Like some of you will go to great lengths for some Girl Scout cookies. Come on, somebody. You'll go to every Target and Walmart until you find a little girl who will sell you a box of Samoas or some Thin Mints that you can put in your freezer. I'm speaking somebody's love language right now. I'll go to great lengths when that hot now sign is on at Krispy Kreme. I will turn around on Peach Street. I will make a U-turn. And the reason why you and I will go to great lengths for some things is because we're passionate about things. And do you know where that passion came from, by the way? God put that inside of you. Like the creator of the universe, you are created in his image, the Bible says. We are image bearers of God, and he is a passionate creator. And so deep, you know, hardwired inside of every single one of us is this this passion that we have for things that causes us to go to great lengths for those things. And can I tell you something? Passion always produces an action. It's the first thing, in fact, I want you to write down. The passion always shows up. Passion always uh, leads to an action in our life. Of course, you can lose passion. And some of us have lost passion for different things. You can, your passion can wane, your passion can, can fade. But passion is what causes us to go to great lengths. Passion is what causes you to get up, you know, at the crack of dawn to go sit in a deer stand, you know, just with the hopes that Bambi walks by and you can take her out, right? So it's passion. Passion causes us to do those things. Passion causes you to to go to, to Jared's and get that little blue felt box, you know, and one day propose to that person that you are in love with, you know, which by the way, ladies, if, if they have not yet done that and you've been with them for a few years, it might be time to move on. I'm just saying, throw that out there. Like it's time to step up, guys, if that's you. 
But it's passion that causes us to go to great lengths because passion always produces an action. And some of you understand that in your career. Some of you understand that in a business that you are building, that you will go to work early, you will stay late, because how many of you know, sometimes in order to get the results that no one else is getting, you need to do the things that no one else is willing to do. So you need to put in the, the blood, the sweat, and the tears into it to make it happen. And what causes you to do that? Passion. Because passion always leads to an action. And so here's what I've learned, though, about passion. It's not a feeling. Sometimes we think it's a feeling. It's not a feeling. It can produce feelings in us, but passion is not a feeling. Passion is not just being excited. Passion is not being enthusiastic necessarily. It's this tenacity on the inside of you that drives you, that, that propels you, but it is not a, a feeling. Here's what I've also learned about passion. It's not based on your personality. Because sometimes people will say, well, I'm not an extrovert, and so I'm not passionate. Well, that's not true. Or they'll say, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, you know, I'm not passionate. That's not, that's not true. It's not based on personality. All of us are passionate. How we express that passion could vary based on personality, but we are all passionate about something. In fact, it, for some of us, you know, when our sports team scores or something, our passion is expressed by, you know, we're sitting there, arms crossed, mean mugging looking, and they score, and it's like a, <clears throat> yes. Others of you, right, you lose your mind. You jump up, you high-five everybody around you, you make friends, right? It's just displayed differently, but we are all passionate. So to tell me, Colby, I'm not a passionate person, I would actually say that's inaccurate because we are all passionate people. In fact, here's a pro tip. If you don't know what you are passionate about, you know how to find out? All you have to do is look at your bank account and look at your calendar because what you spend your money on will tell you what you're passionate about. How you spend your time and your energy and your mental capacity, that will tell you what you are, are passionate about. It's a great indicator as to what has your, your passions. But today I wanna to talk about two things that I think um, we must be passionate about. In order to live the life that God's called us to live, in order to make sense of our lives, in order for our lives to really matter, I wanna to talk to us about two things that we are to be passionate about. And it's fitting because next week starts what's known as Passion Week, where it's talking about Christ and how he came and died for us, the passion of Christ. It's why I have on my passion fruit colored sweatshirt, by the way, too, just so you know. All in honor of, of passion. Because again, we are all passionate about things, but there are two things that I think we must be passionate about. And so I want to look at these two through the lens of John chapter 21. If you're with me, say, let's go. John chapter 21 is a story uh, from, from God's word about Jesus showing up at the Sea of Galilee. And the reason he's there, we're going to find out, is to have a conversation with a guy named Peter. You've heard of Peter, perhaps, the, the Apostle Peter or St. Peter. Uh, his, his name was Simon before uh, he had this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus changed his, his name. But in John chapter 21, verse 1, it's going to be up on the screen. Uh, you can also pull out your U version or your, your paper Bible, whatever you have. It says this, later. First word is later. And we're going to talk about in just a moment what, what later means, what that is referring to. But later, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. 
Several disciples were there. Simon Peter, that's, that's the guy we're going to talk about. Thomas, nicknamed the twin. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. And I love this, two other disciples. The Bible's like, eh, two other guys. <laughs> Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat, but they caught, don't miss this, nothing all night. Now, let's stop real quick. That's a bad night. And that's a bad night because this wasn't just like a, hey, let's go fishing, like a fun fishing trip. This wasn't like a, hey, how many did you catch? You know, I caught a few. You know, how was the, you know, what was the biggest one that you caught? Or we're lying to each other and telling them, you know, all these kinds of fish tales. This was their job, their J-O-B. This is how they survived. This is how they received income. And so for them to go and not catch anything all night, this was a big deal. To come back empty-handed. In fact, it would be the equivalent of you working third shift and coming home with nothing to show for it. Coming home and not getting paid. It'd be the equivalent to your boss saying, hey, that work that you did today, sorry. You know, that was for free. I can't pay you for it. And so this is a big deal. It says they caught nothing. Verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. So he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Verse seven, then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now real quick, when it says the disciple who Jesus loved, uh, you should know that this is the guy who's writing what we're reading. This is John saying, I'm the one that Jesus loved. I love that about John, by the way. The guy was just like, I'm the one that he loves. And which, by the way, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you can say the same thing. Every single one of us in this room can say we are the one that Jesus loved for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for us. So we are the ones that Jesus so loved. It says when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, check this out, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, not stripped as work. There's a big difference. He jumped into the water and he headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net into the shore for they were only about 100 yards. He says only, but that's a far distance from the shore. If you've ever swam that far, 100 yards, that's a good, a good distance. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. I love this. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And we find out later, if you keep reading, they caught 153 fish. So here's Jesus. He's come to the shore. And we learn later on that he's come to the shore to reinstate Peter back into the ministry. Because to say Peter is coming off a rough week is putting it lightly. In fact, if we could just re re rewind for a minute. Rewind is something that uh, some of you don't even know about. It's something we used to do. We had these cassette tapes. They were like this big. They had two little holes in them. And if the tape ever got pulled out, you could put a pencil in there, you know, and kind of anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, old people, parents like me. And, and if you didn't have a pencil, you could use your pinky. You could get that in there. Or rewind is something that you did when you brought your VHS tape back to Blockbuster because on it, it said, be kind. Rewind. rewind. All right, you know what I'm talking about. So rewinding a bit, earlier in the week, Jesus, we're talking about the Passion Week. They had gone through all kinds of emotions. Jesus had just been crucified. 
He died on the cross for the sins of humanity. And leading up to that moment, so much had taken place, like the upper room. Like we're going to celebrate that. Next weekend with, with communion, it's going to be a great time together. But in the, the upper room, Jesus discloses to his disciples, hey, this is what's about to happen. I'm about to die. And they're like, wait a second. We've been following you for three and a half, half years. There's no way that's going to happen. And, and Peter's like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. And he says, he says, in fact, somebody's going to betray me. And Peter says, it'll never be me. And Jesus says, actually, you're going to do it three times before the sun comes up. And then they go to the garden that night, and Jesus calls a few of his guys that are close to him to pray with him in the garden, and they can't even stay awake. And Jesus is sweating drops of blood because he is so uh, torn up from about what's to, to happen to him. He's like, Father, you know, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. So there's all this emotion that's happening this week, and the guards come to take Jesus because Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Talk about a jerk move right there. And the guards come to take him, but Peter doesn't want it to happen. So Peter whips out a knife because that's how Peter rolled. He pulls out a knife, cuts off a guard's ear right there. And Jesus says, don't do that. Picks up the ear, puts it back on his head. It's a miracle. Like, it's amazing. But I, I think about that, and I just love the fact. And, and don't, aren't you encouraged that your mistakes, your irrational behavior, the things that, that you've done in your life don't disqualify you from being used greatly by God? I mean, I love that about Peter. Peter's just like this hothead. He's like this, you know, loose cannon kind of guy, and he's, he's just doing things like never going to happen, never going to happen. And then Jesus is taken from the garden and uh, by the soldiers to Caiaphas' house, the high priest. And Peter, the Bible says, follows at a distance. So he's following into this courtyard uh, of the, the high priest, and he's sitting there around a fire. While Jesus is put on this mock trial, and really it's just an opportunity for these guys to, to beat him a little bit and kind of bruise him up some before taking him to Pilate. But Peter is there in the courtyard around this fire, and this little girl asks him, hey, hey, aren't you with Jesus? And what does Peter say? No. Denies him one time, first time. And then somebody else later on, hey, yeah, you are. You're with Jesus. You're, you're, one of the, you're, you're with the Nazarene. And he says no. And then a third time somebody asks him, yes, you are most definitely. And it's almost as Peter is so adamant about that he is not with Jesus. The Bible gives us language like he is cussing and swearing. He's like, I'm most definitely not with Jesus. And at that moment, the rooster crows. And because they're both in the courtyard together, Jesus looks at Peter. Peter looks at Jesus. And can you imagine because Peter's reminded of just the night before when he says, hey, by this time tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. Can you, can you imagine what Peter feels in that moment? Like crushed? Like I'm not, not worthy? Here's Jesus who poured his life the last three and a half years into Peter, into this guy who was on his in his inner circle, by the way, because you know there are 12 disciples, but there were three that Jesus would pull close Three in the garden, Peter, James, and John, he said, hey, you guys come and pray with me. Three that during the Mount of Transfiguration, he said, hey, you guys come with me and check this out. He pulled these guys, guys close. Peter must have felt like in that moment where he denied Christ, that it's over, that it's done, that I'm not, not worthy. Would Jesus ever be able to use me again? And I say that because I wonder if anybody in this room can relate or anybody watching online can relate that you might be here feeling like you know what I might get into heaven by the, the 
you know, the, the skin of my teeth. But anything beyond that, I'm not sure I'm a candidate for. I don't know if God can use me in great ways. And can I just remind you that Peter was the guy who on opening day of the church preached the very first message and 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus. So you are never too far. You are never beyond reach for a God who loves you. If you would come home to God, no matter what you've done, is that not good news today? That God can still use you in a mighty way? Like, I love that, that this is the kind of God that we have. But this is the week that Peter has just gone through. This denial, putting his hopes in a Savior who was crucified. And so I can imagine all the emotions surrounding that, thinking maybe this thing is over. Maybe he wasn't the Messiah after all. And so what does he do? He goes back fishing. Why? Because that was his occupation. That's what he knew. That's what Jesus had called him out of in the first place. When he called him on, on the shore, he was a, a fisherman. So he goes back to what he's comfortable doing. How many of you know sometimes when we don't feel like we are living the lives that we should be living, we'll go back to the, the, the lives that we are comfortable with, what's familiar to us, even if it's dysfunctional. Is that not true? We go back into our dysfunction We'll say, well, at least I know how to operate. At least I know how to function in my dysfunction. At least I know how to manage, you know, in this, this kind of, of lifestyle. So oftentimes we'll go back to what we know is not great for us because we know, because uh, we feel like we're not living up to what God has called us to do. So Peter goes back fishing and Jesus shows up on the shore and he says this, hey, calls out to the guys in the boat, 100 yards off, hey, Throw your net on the other side. Now, I want to stop here because if that sounds familiar to anyone in this room, it should. You know why? Because three years earlier, it's the same way that Jesus shows up on the scene to the same guys. He shows up on the shore of Galilee, calls out to those guys, says, hey, how's it going? And they're like, not very good. And Jesus tells them, why don't you cast your net on the other side? And when they do, what happens? There's so many fish that they can't pull it in. They have to call other boats to come around them to help them pull this, this miracle catch in. And so he says, hey, you know, I'll, I'll show you how to fish for men. And so at that, that moment, right, Peter uh, goes and follows Jesus. Jesus says, come and follow me, which, by the way, you should know that's the only prerequisite to knowing God is to following, just come and follow, that's it, that's it. A lot of us make this more complicated than it needs to be. He didn't say, hey, if you, you know, I'll, I'll do great things through your life if you will get your act cleaned up. If you'll get some things together, if you'll get some issues worked out of your life, then I can use you. That's not what he says. What does he say to Peter? Come and follow, just come and follow. So some of you, here's what you need to know. You don't um, get cleaned up to come to Christ, you come to Christ so that he can work through our stuff in our life. Are you with me? Sometimes people will say, well, if I step foot in a church, it's going to build, burn down or the building will burn down, right? That's not the way it works. Like we are desperate for God to work in us, to work our issues out. We can't do it on our own because how many of you know, if you could have done it on your own, you would have done it on your own. And we can't do it on our own. We need God's, God's help. So he tells Peter, come and follow him, and they followed him. And so now Peter is back doing what he used to do. 
his first job, his occupation, fishing. And this is what it says, when he realized that it was Jesus on the shore, I want to point out two expressions of passion that we see in this story. In verse 7, in fact, it says, he put on his tunic, because he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and went to Jesus, 100 yards away. Put his clothes back on, jumped in, and ran, swam to Jesus. Peter is so passionate about Jesus that he was willing to jump out of the boat. How many of you know Peter has a history of boat jumping? He's done that before. That's not the first time. In fact, the first time was when uh, the, they were on the, the Sea of Galilee and there was a storm and Jesus was walking to them on the water. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus was like, all right, let's go. And Peter gets out of the boat, which just a side note for some of you, you know, be careful what you ask God for because the answer just might be yes. Like, come on, let's go. And so he jumps out of the boat. So Peter has a, a pattern of, of being a boat jumper. Why? Because here's the first thing we see that he's passionate about, and I want you to write it down, is about Jesus. And he's just so passionate about Jesus. How could he not be? You know, here's this man that, that changed his life radically. He's passionate about Jesus. And how far would he go for Jesus? I mean, he was willing to jump out of a boat 100 yards away. Like he was willing to perhaps give up this, this catch of fish that was coming in, not knowing if they were going to be able to pull it in without him, but he didn't care about the fish in that moment. He didn't care about his, his income, the way to potentially make a living in that moment. He just jumped out of the, the boat and ran to Jesus. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, man, how, how passionate am I? How passionate are, are you about Jesus? How passionate are, are we? Like, how far are you willing to go? Because we will go to great lengths for things that we are passionate about. How far are you willing to go for Jesus? Passion always produces action. Like, I love, I love being around passionate people. Anybody else? Like, there's just something contagious, like, about passionate people. And while my passion always produces an action in my life, your passion that you have for something has the potential to impact my life as well. It's this passion. Peter was so passionate. And then I love that in this moment, I wonder if, if he thought back to three years earlier when he heard those words for the first time, when he heard on the shore, you know, someone cry out to them, hey, have you caught any fish? I wonder if he thought about that moment this next time. Like, I wonder if he thought, you know what? I've heard this before. This is sounding a little familiar to me. And then when Jesus said, hey, why don't you guys cast your net on the other side? I wonder if a fire alarm didn't go off in Peter's mind thinking, hey, what did that man just say? Because that sounds a lot like what Jesus said when I first met him. And then when John confirms it, he says, Peter, it's Jesus. Like, I wonder if he thought back to the moment that he was a fisherman and Jesus invited him to come and to follow him and it changed his life radically and Peter went from someone that nobody knew to someone who is now in the entourage of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He went from somebody nobody knew to now he can't even walk through the streets without someone saying, hey, that's Peter. I know that person's with Jesus. This little girl even said, that's, you're with Jesus. Like, I wonder if he thought about those moment, moments if all that went through his head. 
as he considered all the things that Jesus had done for him, even though he had denied him three times, when he saw Jesus, what did he do? Man, he jumps out of the boat. He jumps. How passionate are you for Jesus? Like on a scale of one to ten. Like one being, Colby, is this almost over? And ten being, and I'm just white hot passionate. Like where's your passion? What's, where, and no shame, no. Like I just wonder what that is for you. It was uh, a great, a great theologian is said to have said what I'm about to tell you, but they're not exactly sure who they can um, say, attribute this quote to, but he says, you know, passion, uh, like I want to light yourself on fire with passion so that the whole world can come and watch you burn. And they say, John Wesley said that, you know, I want to light myself on fire so that, you know, the world can't, won't help but to, to stand up and take notice. I wonder if you can think back to that time that you were lit on, on fire. And maybe this wasn't everybody in the room no matter how it happened in your life, you remember that, that moment that um, a fire was ignited inside of you. And let me just say this. I know this is not everybody in the room. I know some of you are just kind of checking this whole church thing out and who is God. And I want you to know that this church was, was planted with you in mind. Like really, it was designed for, for you so that you could come and encounter God, that you could experience the freedom that he has for you, that you could explore the calling of God on your life. But for those of you that have made that decision, you've had that, that ignited in your heart. When you remember that moment you encountered God, we all intuitively know to use this analogy of fire. If you start to take oxygen away from this, what happens? It dies out. Because the fire has to have, have oxygen in it. Otherwise, it'll start to go out. It'll start to die died down. And a lot of times what happens as we go through our life, even as followers of Jesus, we go through our life, what happens is we become familiar. We start making church a routine, a box we have to check. We start getting comfortable with where we are, and that comfortability leads to complacency in our life. And what happens is we slowly begin to choke off the oxygen that's causing the fire to burn bright. And this, this was said, I want to I burn bright for Christ so that the world may stand up and take notice. So how passionate are you? Do you remember the first time you encountered the love of Jesus? Can you think back even right now to that, to that moment you realized he was no longer counting your sins against you and how good that felt and how it was shame off of you? No longer are you condemned. There's no condemnation. For anyone who's in Christ Jesus, do you remember that moment you felt like you could not out his love for you? He was casted your sin as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, in that, that moment. Do you remember that? Like that, that your, your sin, not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh my. You remember that moment? Like I'm trying to get us back to that place today where this passion was ignited in your life and something happens over time it starts to get choked out we get familiar things become common we get complacent with it and the danger is we can get to that place where it's like you know what i'm i'm okay 
going through the motions. Did you know people can be okay just going through the motions? I'm okay with just doing things. As I, I don't want to, you know, share my faith with anybody. I don't want to tell anybody about the hope that I have in Jesus. And what can happen is that fire that once used to burn so brightly can all of a sudden get, get snuffed out. But the thing about, about passion in our life, like you have to work at it. Like you have to constantly be, be trying to, to pour, you know, oxygen back into this relationship so that it continues to burn brightly. You know what, you know what some oxygen is that you need for your relationship with God in order to, to burn brightly? One of the, the things that we need is oxygen is what you're doing right now, is gathering together, is worshiping God together. Is coming together as a church and, and praising God and getting to his word. That's oxygen that we need in order for us to burn brightly. Something else is God's word. It's like reading God's word, getting into his word, memorizing his word, taking it to, into our, our heart and into our life. That's oxygen we need. Getting together with one another as iron sharpens iron. All those things help us to burn brightly for Christ. But somewhere along the way, we, we stop exercising that out. And it's a choice. Passion is a choice. And we have to stoke it and sustain it in our life. But I don't know about you, but I think back to all that God has forgiven me of and what he's rescued me from and how patient he's been with me, even though I have failed over and over again. And I think about Peter, and I think about him jumping out of the boat on the back end of a really bad week. You know what that is? That's passion. And I'm like, Peter, I'll jump out of the boat with you, bro. Like, let's go. Let's go. And I don't know how some of you, you grew up, but if you're passionate about Jesus and it starts there, then the only right response is to be passionate about what he is passionate about. And some of you might have grown up in a church, and I don't know your background, but it was almost like, you know, you went to church and you felt beat up. You know what I'm talking about? Like you left church feeling like I am the worst person on the planet. Like people would say, you know, you need to do this more, you need to do that more, you should, you should tithe more, you should, you, should, you should serve more. And by the way, you can't even tithe more. That's not even an accurate statement. Tithe just means tenth. You can't do it. More than tenth, it's just tenth. But people would, would say that, and you'd leave there thinking, man, I'm never going back there. And what I've just figured is if you could just fall passionately in love with Jesus, all the rest of that stuff takes care of itself. Because that comes out of a place of, I want to give because I'm following the greatest giver the world has ever known, the most extravagant giver who gave his life for me. Does that make sense? I want to serve because I'm following the, the, the example of servanthood, Jesus who would lay down his life, who would, would serve. Like it, it moves from I, I have to do these things to I get to do these things when and if Jesus is this fire that's burning brightly in your life. So are you passionate about Jesus? Again, on a scale of one to 10, where does that fall in your life? And if you're not so passionate, can I take you back to that place where you once were? Can you, can you remember the place where it didn't matter what other people thought about you, that you were living boldly for Christ? Do you remember that place? Do you, do you remember that place where it didn't matter what people said in school 
what it didn't matter what they said in the teacher's lounge, you know, that place where it didn't matter if, if the guys thought you were crazy for not wanting to go out with them and get drunk, but you'd rather go home and take care of your family and lead them. Like, do you remember that place? That's how we reignite that passion back in our, our life. Like, I, I don't believe the enemy needs to derail our lives with some big immoral failure. You know what I think all he has to do? Is slowly remove the oxygen to where our passion just burns out. He doesn't have to do some big thing in your life. In fact, if the enemy can do this to us, then guess what? You're going to start going after your own desires, your own passions. You're going to go after things that only fulfill, fulfill you. But I don't know about you, but I want my life to make a difference for things that matter in eternity, not just for things that matter for myself. So if we're passionate about Jesus, what are we going to be passionate about? One thing. I have one more thing to for have you guys write down. I have the band come help me close this down. And that is, you'll be passionate about people. People. Like, after all, Jesus gave his life for people. People. For God so loved the world, right? He so loved people that he gave his one and only son. Gave his life. We started this church um, because we wanted to have this white-hot passion for the things that God is passionate about, and that is, is people. Look at 2 Peter 3, 9. Here's the guy, Peter, that felt like, man, I made the biggest mistake ever. I don't even know if I can come back from this. Who left, who went back to his occupation, who's fishing. In his own words, here's what Peter says. The Lord, I love this, is not slow in keeping his promises, as some may think. But he says, instead, he is what? He is patient. Do you think Peter understood something about the Lord's patience? After what Peter had done? I think I understand something about the Lord's patience after what I've done. Maybe you understand something about God's patience in your life after what, what you have done. He says he's, not, he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting who everyone everyone to come to repentance. In other words, this is not exclusive. This is not just for some, but this is for, for all, for everyone. Everyone. Um, John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no man known than, than, than a man would lay down his life for his, his friends. Romans 5, 8, Jesus demonstrated his love for us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Like, this is why we do what we do. This is why we are, this is why my wife and I moved here some 13 years ago. We did not move here to start a, a country club or a cruise ship. We came here to start a hospital and a battleship. Hospital and a battleship. Hospital to where anyone who felt broken and hurting and helpless and hopeless and far from God could come and have an encounter with the life-giving God because if we did not believe God couldn't change your heart then why are we doing what we're doing that you could get the help that you needed 
for what was hurting and broken inside of you. That's what we believe with all our heart. But you did not stay there. God loves you the way you are, but he does not want you to stay there. So go through ICU, but then go to basic training, step up and man a gun. Are you with me? Because we're in a fight. This is battle. We are called to engage in the battle to do all we can to bring the kingdom of God to earth. That's it. So this is not a, a cruise ship. It's a battleship. And the reason I say that is because when we talk about passion and getting fired up, like the same reason that other people are in your circles of influence need the hope that you have, is like the same, the same reason that at one point in your life, you made that decision. Like you're, 99% of us are here because someone else was willing to go a great distance for you for you because here's what I never thought about before until I'd actually gone to Israel if you look in John chapter 20 Jesus just went through the cross all that happened the crucifixion he's in Jerusalem and in John 21 verse 1 look at it again it says when later when Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee think about this John 20 Jerusalem John 21 1 Sea of Galilee do you know how long it takes to walk from Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee. Seven days. Jesus was willing to go seven days for this one guy. He was willing to go seven days of a walk so that Peter would not feel like I'm disqualified, I'm done, I'm not good enough, God will never use me. He was willing to go seven days to restore him back to the ministry. Can I ask you one question? How far are you willing to go? for someone else in your life. Chances are, God's not gonna ask you to walk seven days. He's probably not even gonna ask you to walk to Gerard. He might, he might. I know this without a shadow of a doubt. If this is you, asking you to do walk across the hall in the office walk to the the next locker over in your school walk over to the next cubicle the Bible says you know how will people know unless they have have heard and how will they hear unless you tell them you know what he's asking some of you to do about the fire that he ignited once in your life, and that is to walk down the hall in your own house. How many of you know the, the, the hardest walk sometimes is the walk down the hall in our own house to the people that have our last name because the people who bear your last name should be the most important people of your life. And they're the same people that God so loved. And they're the same people that are around you all the time they need to hear from you the reason for your hope, the reason for your passion. So how far are you willing to go, church? Because someone went that far for you. So let's do this. Would you stand to your feet? In just a second, we're going to worship through this. But I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you two questions. Here's the first question. 
just for you to consider. How passionate are you? How passionate are you right now for Jesus? And if you'd say, I'm not really, I want to I'm talk to you in just one second. How do you reignite? How do you breathe oxygen and life back into that passion? And then the other question is this, how far are you willing to go for the people that you know in your life who are hurting and desperate for the same hope that you have? This is coming up on what's called Passion Week, not Passive Week. Passion Week. And there are people that desperately need to know the lengths that Jesus would go to for them. And for some of you, you need to know the lengths Jesus would go to for you. And we've talked about it all day, for God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus to die for our sins so that we could be made right with God. So that he could fix what's broken inside of us and restore us back to God in heaven. And I'm not talking about connecting to a church. I'm talking about connecting to a relationship with God in heaven. And so the Bible says that we can do that as we just believe. We confess Jesus is Lord. Believe in our heart. God raised him from the dead. We would be, be saved. And so I want to lead you in a prayer that does that. I'm just going to help you with the language of it. But the most important thing about this prayer is that you mean it. If you say, Colby, I, I, that's why I'm here. I need to pray that today. I'm going to invite you to do that right now. In fact, I'm going to invite those in this room who are also followers of Jesus to pray this out loud with you, giving you strength to pray it together. You can say something like, like this. Say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. Thank you for dying for my sin. I confess you as Lord and as Savior. Ignite a passion in my heart. Help me follow you the best I can through your spirit. Jesus, I pray right now for those in this room who made that decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time, God, that you would continue to develop and grow within them this passion for, for your word, this passion for your people, this passion for those who are hurting and lost and broken and help that flame that was ignited today burn brighter in Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.